Jeff Bond here, and welcome to another edition of Chat with Leaders, where we're passionate about amplifying the voices of leaders who inspire us how to use influence as a force for good. In today's episode, Jasmine Burton presents the important work being done by Wish for Wash, where she serves as the executive director and founder, which is a social impact startup intended to bring innovation to sanitation. This event was hosted by Sydney Hulebach, the director of Georgia Social Impact Collaborative, otherwise known as GSIC, as part of their social entrepreneur coffee series at the Just Add Honey Tea Room on the Atlanta Beltline. It's pretty incredible the number of people, 4 billion plus, that lack access to safely managed sanitation which is a statistic that disproportionately hinders the livelihoods of women, girls, and other marginalized groups globally. In response to that reality, Jasmine and her team are doing incredible work to solve that crisis, and GSIC was great to highlight this in their event. I hope you enjoy this inspiring chat with Jasmine Burton as much as I did. Let's get into it. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here today. I'm really excited to talk with you about the business of sanitation uh, because everybody poops. Uh, so my name is Jasmine Burton and I am here on behalf of Wish for Wash, a social impact organization that seeks to bring innovation to sanitation. Uh, we came out of Georgia Tech in 2014 uh, with a really specific product design focus. Uh, so really focusing on uh, the toilet, right? This, this innovation that hopefully everybody uses uh, at least once a day uh, that really hasn't been rethought in over 200 years, right? This idea of, you know, this ceramic throne, uh, oftentimes in, in our reality, uh, but beyond kind of, you know, the, the realities that we live in, access to running water and sewage, there's so many people that have different realities when it comes to sanitation that impacts their health and livelihoods. We're talking about open defecation. We're talking about uh, septic systems that are overflowing here in Georgia uh, that really leads to, you know, negative health outcomes, particularly in marginalized communities. Uh, so at Wish for Wash, uh, the work that we do is really hoping to amplify the innovation in this space, as well as to be a part of the movement that's, you know, building new concepts, building new infrastructure, building new ecosystems of change makers in the sanitation space that sees opportunities to connect communities, to connect uh, uh, institutions, to connect uh, yeah, just research as it relates to sanitation, health, and hygiene. Uh, so the United Nations has mandated that the world uh, focuses on sanitation and particularly, you know, the livelihoods of women and girls uh, to give access to the over 2 billion people that don't have access to sanitation by 2030. Um, but we're really far behind. Uh, so we're really looking to you know, accelerate this this focus, and particularly in light of COVID, we've seen that there's so much need and opportunity to innovate in this space. Uh, so we came from a product design lens, really looking at what it means to design in a modular way. So what if you had a sit toilet that could also be a squat toilet, that could be a compost toilet, that could also be a flushing toilet? What if all of that was possible within one toolbox of sanitation options? Uh, we also focus on menstrual health and hygiene. Not something that you know a lot of people you know might think about on a day-to-day -day basis, but again, it does impact the livelihoods of all people. Uh, so, what does it look like to rethink the design of of menstrual products? Right. So, right now, the ecosystem around uh, menstrual care is really about collecting and absorbing, um, but there's so much more that we could be doing when we're talking about uh, menstrual health and hygiene. Uh, Girls often drop out of school when they reach puberty because their schools don't have toilets or because they don't have access to menstrual care. And so we really do have this gender equity, social inclusion lens to our work at Wish for Wash. Uh, and hopefully our conversation today will encourage you to, to join the movement because, again, everybody poops. We are going to take a quick break for this message from our sponsors. 
This episode is brought to you by InspireEDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and InspireEDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, InspireEDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. And now back to our chat. Well, Jess, thanks so much for being here with us today and for sharing your story about Wish for Wash. I'm curious, what was your inspiration for getting into this work? Yeah, um, so started off at Georgia Tech, uh, was studying product design and Really, that's when I learned about sort of the enormity of the sanitation crisis in our world. I went to the Georgia Tech Women's Leadership Conference right at the time when I was being really sort of disenchanted by the idea of designing for the sake of design, right? So not creating more trash for the world. Like, what is the opportunity for design to drive impact? Um, And so going to this conference when I was 18, I learned about, you know, how so many girls drop out of school when they reach puberty. Uh, and the fact that I was, again, like in such a privileged position at a university receiving education and so many girls just don't have that opportunity because of something like a toilet. Um, that's when I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to design toilets. I called my parents and I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm designing toilets. And they were like, you just started college. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so that was the beginning. Uh, and ever since then, it's really been this journey of like, how do we amplify diverse mm-hmm. voices? How do we include health equity in the conversation? It's not just one and done. You know, we have hundreds of car models on the market. Why do we only have one toilet model? Mm-hmm. It is something that literally everybody uses. It's really about raising the profile about something that, you know, just because it works for us doesn't mean it works for everybody. And how do we increase access and accessibility? Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious because I imagine there's a global and a local component to this work. Can you right. speak a little bit? the difference between what this looks like on an international scale versus what it could look like on a micro scale here in Atlanta. Yeah, so I think internationally there's a lot of, you know, there's pros and cons everywhere, right? So internationally there's not, depending on the community that you're in, there's not as much infrastructure at all Mm. related to sanitation. There's no water, there's no toilets, there's no hand washing stations. Mm. So because of that, there seems to be a leapfrog opportunity, right? Where you can sort of go from nothing to something really innovative, something that we've never seen before. So yeah. uh, working with organizations like the Toilet Board Coalition uh, and others in the ecosystem of sanitation, we've seen people piloting smart toilets, this mm-hmm. idea of what does it look like to bring in biosensors, to bring in these uh, diagnostic tools to make toilets into a health preventative product, yeah. um, which is something that is really easy to do in a place where there's not a lot there, right? Uh, versus when we're here, we have access to water, we have access to infrastructure. Um, you know, but with that, there's like the, the challenge of zoning, regulation, um, who's going to pay? There's a lot of questions around that. And most of what we innovate in the US and locally, you have to retrofit. So that's a different yeah. type of innovation versus like going from, you know, scratch. And so I think that there's like, there's opportunity for a lot of people to play in this space, basically, because there's so much need and there's so much um, Really, there hasn't been a lot of innovation, like I mentioned. Um, so depending on the nature of where you want to focus, you can either go with existing technologies and making them better or going from nothing to something that we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. well, that makes a lot of sense. And your mention of retrofit makes me think about sustainability. You've talked a lot about the health implications of having access to um, water and sanitation. What about the sustainability implications for the planet of having the right kind of toilet or the right kind of infrastructure? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of... There's a lot there. Um, so I think related to 
related to, uh, I guess, the ecosystem, the, the planet at large, um, people who often don't have sanitation are practicing open defecation, mm -hmm. right? Open defecation is just going to the bathroom in public. Uh, it can be just on the ground. It can be in a hole. It can be in a bag that you throw somewhere. Um, and what that looks like kind of for the, the, the environment is that it gets into the groundwater, it gets into the food, it gets mm. into the animals, and so it does, again, increase disease spread. Um, and it also makes, you know, the planet a dirtier place for everyone, yeah. right? And so um, there's a big opportunity to sort of, how, how do you meet people where they are? You know, if that's where, if that's their norm, how do you create something that is easy for them to use, that's approachable, that's affordable, um, but then at the same time is making the planet a cleaner place? Yeah. Um, and I think to kind of circling it back home, a lot of times when we think about open defecation, we think far away, different cultures, you know, maybe it's not here, but there mm -hmm. is so much of that happening here. If you've ever yeah. been to San Francisco, if you've been to downtown Atlanta, people experiencing homelessness don't have access to sanitation, mm -hmm. and there is open defecation happening in our own backyard. So what does that look like in terms of innovating in a regulatory environment like Atlanta to create and you know amplify access for those that currently don't have any. So I do think, you know, in terms of the environment, there's the, the cleanliness component, but then there's also the health component, again, like environmental health as well as human health. Yeah, yeah. no, thanks for sharing that. You, you talked early about how this idea really emerged during your time at Georgia Tech. And I'm curious, what kind of support have you received from the impact ecosystem here in Georgia yeah. to get your idea started, to sustain it, to provide mentorship and connections along the way? Yeah, so Georgia Tech was really our, it really has continued to be like our nucleus of a lot of our work, right? Mm -hmm. So we uh, started off as a capstone project, an interdisciplinary team of women at Georgia Tech. We won the Adventure Prize competition, mm -hmm. which is the largest undergraduate invention competition in the United States. Wow. Uh, and because of that, we were able to get funding and a patent that then really accelerated our work. Um, from then, we've really been housed at Georgia Tech. So we mm -hmm. have you know, over 50 volunteers and contract workers at Georgia Tech right mm -hmm. now, undergrads, graduate students, uh, professors, at different levels of, of research and engagement. Um, so Georgia Tech is really sort of our, our house right now in terms of a lot of the funding opportunities as well as our the manpower around kind mm. of how we've been able to grow our work. Um, but beyond sort of Georgia Tech, like we have such a, an incredible enabling environment here in Atlanta. Um, so we do have a ton of uh, organizations that we've been able to work with as we start pivoting and scaling our work. Okay. COVID has impacted us like it has everyone. Um, so again, we started off as a really hardware specific organization, mm. but in light of COVID, we've seen that there's a big demand for hygiene-related education, right? And so this yeah. idea of how do we, like, educate our communities, how do we equip the next generation with this design-thinking, resilient mindset mm -hmm. to build and create in the impact ecosystem in ways we haven't seen before. Uh, so we've been able to pilot curriculum with a lot of schools in the greater Atlanta area, so cool. Paidea and Weber, and then working with the International Rescue Committee of Atlanta to work mm -hmm. with... Girl Scouts of Atlanta, so lots of different organizations that are really on the forefront of what this means to sort of create, you know, more thought leaders in this space. Like, it's beyond just the people that have gone through Wish for Wash. It's really Atlanta at large that is looking to have a greater mindset and more uh, innovation and this idea of how do we design in an empathic way as it mm. relates to these global brand challenges. Uh, so a lot of incredible organizations like GSIC, like Global Shapers, like incredible people yeah. that really are looking to make the world a better place. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, as a social entrepreneur, we get so many questions from others that are looking to start that journey that have questions around, how do I structure? How, I, how do I determine what my team should look like? 
Um, how did you go about some of those decisions? Where did you go for information and how did you learn how to become the social entrepreneur that you are today? Yeah, um, so I'll say it's definitely been an iterative, <laughs> iterative journey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we started off again coming out of a competition, so it was really like we won some funding, we you know got in this position and we were like, okay, we need to become a company. <laughs> so it was very sort of, we became a company uh, and then over time we've been a lot more intentional about how we've crafted mm. um, our structure, our team. Um, and so, yeah, right now we operate as a collective. Uh, mm. So we have a for-profit arm that houses all of our IP, uh, and we have a non-profit arm, officially 501c3, as Yay. of earlier this year, which is so exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so, ideally, where we're positioned now, we're looking to use the for-profit to help sustain our non-profit work. Um, so, again, coming out of this time, we want to be, you know, a part of this movement of nonprofits and social impact organizations that are resilient, that mm -hmm. have, like, strong roots. We're seeing this in Atlanta. We're seeing this globally. Like, people are just being wiped out. And what does it look like to kind of have that strength so that you're not donor dependent, so that sure. when money is reallocated, it's not going to just completely knock you off. And so that's sort of our future where we're hoping to grow. Uh, resources around that have come from so many different places, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the Institute for Leadership and Social Impact at Georgia Tech has been okay. huge in our development. Uh, the Business and Society Institute at Emory, now as uh, a business student there, has been incredible in our journey as well. Um, so again, you know, learning, growing, iterating, mm -hmm. being intentional, but then also seeing other models and saying, that's working for them, let's try it here. Mm -hmm. um, what does it look like to have volunteers, contractors, hopefully one day more full-time employees, yeah. that's the vision. Uh, but what does it look like to bring all these different types of people into the space in a way that's meaningful for them too, right? Mm -hmm. So we're building this generation, this pipeline of, of people that are working in this space, but they're also gaining skills or gaining things for their own personal development. And what does that mutually beneficial relationship look like? Yeah. Um, so again, it's been iterative. We're still very much on that iteration journey, uh, but we're really excited about what the future looks like. Yeah, no, yeah. that's wonderful. And Curious was such a broad mandate and this large goal of making sanitation accessible for many people, how do you measure success within your journey and how has that changed over time throughout your development? Yes, that's a great question. So I will say, um, you know, we're in a time where a lot of people, especially in the startup space, measure success kind of like, you know, the tech world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you are able to scale to these millions of users, when you're able to pilot and iterate really quickly because of, you know, your back end is, is code. Yeah. Um, being held to that standard was sort of our beginning, which was really challenging because, again, working in uh, the nature of, of a space that's not as developed, working in, you know, hardware, working in manufacturing, we're mm. pivoting and, you know, being human-centered is, is really core to our ethos, but it's hard to change tooling, yeah. right? <laughs> it's hard to change your manufacturing run. Um, and so I think that has been a, a you know really humbling part of our journey, recognizing that we can't move in the same way as, as, as other startups, right? And so yeah. being cognizant of that and not holding ourselves to that version of success. Hmm. For us, success is really about um, kind of having our value proposition in the space, um, kind of being human-centered, being iterative in our practice, um, in our work, in our like development of our of our people within Wish for Wash. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors at Georgia Tech used to say, "Strive for significance, not for success. Hmm. Success is I very like finite." Um, and I would say, you know, for us, significance is really this broader movement. Again, mm. we started off as a toilet. We've now had over a hundred people under the age of 30 who have gone through sort of the wish for wash training program who have really like had this design thinking mindset training around sanitation specifically mm -hmm. which is a very 
specific thing yeah. to see so many young people wanting to learn about how to innovate in the space. And so I feel like redefining and kind of broadening our version of what success looks like mm -hmm. has given us this opportunity to find a way that we're actually adding value in ways that we didn't see before. Um, so I would say for us and for others, I would say be open to what you yeah. could do um, in a way that's not mission drift, right? Like you don't want to like become everything so that you're nothing ultimately. Uh, but being intentional, listening to the people that you're working with, listening to the people that are working for you and with you, and then being reflexive to that and not being held to some ideal, the standard that society has that might not match the nature of your company. No, absolutely. Well, I love that. Um, I'm I'm curious, given all the partners that you work with in this space, who's inspiring you in the water and sanitation space, and um, what in their work is so exciting to you? Yeah. So there's a lot of really incredible things happening in this in this space. Um, so uh, I mentioned I worked with an organization called the Toilet Board Coalition. Uh, I was able to run the first the world's only sanitation accelerator program. So oh, really cool. amplifying and accelerating the work of sanitation entrepreneurs in developing countries um, and really focusing specifically on Kenya and India. We've seen mm. so many incredible entrepreneurs that are thriving um, in, in context. And I think it's been really cool to see, again, the nature of what it means to work in the space. There's so many people within countries and within contexts that mm. have the, the capacity to, to build and innovate if networked and connected yeah. to reach that scale. And that was a lot of what the Accelerator program was about, was connecting these entrepreneurs with you know, multinational corporations like Kimberly Clark, Unilever, mm. giving them the, the resources to help with their R&D. You know, at Wish for Watch, we know this, right? Like our innovation, our R&D has been very costly. And so what mm. does it look like for, for those in other contexts? Like how do we enable them to, to pilot at a larger level so that they can reach, the, reach scale within their own communities? Um, and so uh, a couple of organizations that come to mind, uh, the T-Bus in India, they retrofit municipal buses. Uh, to make them into women's bathrooms uh, in the slums of India. Oh, cool. Uh, really cool. So it's like bathrooms on wheels. Um, <laughs> and they also have like breastfeeding stations. They have like healthcare providers that come in. Um, so lots of really great innovation in that space, like using resources that already are there um, mm. and then using them to better their communities. Um, there's another, you know, Sanovation. They are our roots, uh, so they came from Georgia Tech, so they turned ah. waste into to energy, uh, and they've been scaling up massively in, wow. in uh, Naivasha, Kenya. Uh, and so basically, they're really focusing on the circular sanitation economy component. So what does mm. it look like to turn waste into something generative? Again, something really cool to see in the, in the space and the yeah. ecosystem, because as population size increases, the only thing that will increase with us is the waste that we produce. Yeah. And so what are opportunities you know, to, to do something better with that. So we're not just flushing it away to some unknown, hopefully legal place, yeah. right? And <laughs> we're doing something that's like generative and actually creating value. Hmm. Um, and then the third that I'll shine a light on is um, Synergy, uh, also based in Kenya. Uh, they're doing incredible work, again, related to the circular uh, sanitation ecosystem. Um, and yeah, they, uh, I think, are doing incredible work related to compost, uh, mm. kind of at large scale. What does it look like to have fr a franchise model related to sanitation in yeah. Nairobi, in the slums of Nairobi? Um, so again, really incredible people. They came, up, came out of MIT. Okay. Um, so lots of really cool um, entrepreneurs uh, working in sanitation. Um, and then one other component that I'll mention too is, I mentioned the, the smart sanitation economy. Mm. Um, so this health diagnostic tool, like what does it look like to use sanitation as a tool for public health? Yeah. Um, BioBot also came come out of MIT, uh, I think a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, women owned, uh, women run, uh, and right. they have basically like sewer robots um, that are able to detect you know, COVID 
opioid, you know, opioid pre prevalence in different communities wow. from the sewers. And what are the opportunities to use that for like government regulation or government, you know, spending purposes before mm. a pandemic? Absolutely. Right. So there's some really cool stuff happening in that space as well. Awesome. So lots of really cool movers and shakers in sanitation. Um, yeah, just really happy to be a part of the community with them. Awesome. Well, Jazz, the work you're doing is incredible. If folks that watch this want to get involved, how can they get involved with Wish for Wash or any of the other projects that you're part of? Yeah, um, so Wish for Wash, we're online. So uh, you can find us at wishforwash.org. Um, and then also we have you know, pre you know presence on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social medias. Yeah. Uh, we also recently acquired a project uh, that I was able to co-create uh, called Period Futures. So this idea of kind of what is the future of periods and menstrual health mm -hmm. uh, related to products, related to, to spaces, related to conversations. Uh, so if folks want to get involved with that, Period Futures is online as well. Um, so yeah, we're very open to engaging more folks, bringing people into the conversation. So feel free to reach out at any of those platforms. Cool. Well, Thanks thank you so much, much for being here. <laughs> Hey, this is Jeff Bond. Thank you for investing your time with us today. We would be grateful for you to take a quick moment and rate this show on Apple Podcasts by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves. We also invite you to follow our LinkedIn page. Our handle is at Chat with Leaders. Make sure to join in on the conversations we're having around the inspiration coming from our guests, how to use business leadership as a force for good, and how to edify our next generation of leaders to leave this world in a better place than how we found it. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.